Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Let's join together in prayer and ask God to bless us. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we just exalt you for all that you are. Lord, we praise you for your wonderful word. We praise you for the fact that you have provided such a wonderful gift of your holy word. Help us, Lord, to be diligent to study it. Help us to to focus upon your message. Lord, speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn back with me to the book of Jude. We uh, It's been a little while since we've been here, but I uh, want to remind you of a few things as we go back to the book of Jude. We uh, started out a couple of weeks ago before all the, the mess with the storm and everything came through, and we uh, looked at the book of Jude, and I kind of... <clears throat> want to remind you the book of Jude is right before the book of Revelation so go to the back of the Bible and if you uh, pass, uh, start leafing back towards the front through the book of Revelation you'll come to the book of Jude right after the beginning of Revelation. Jude is a very small book so there not, are no chapters, they're just verses. And we looked at verses 1 and 2 in our last uh, uh, look at, at the book of Jude. And today we're going to look at verse 3 and 4. And uh, I want to remind you also of the fact that Jude is kind of written almost with the metaphor of a boxer. And remember the last time I told you uh, my grandfather was a boxer and he uh, one of the most important things that you have to do as a boxer is to keep your hands up, keep your guard up. And, and uh, that was the uh, beginning of our look at at the book of Jude, Jude is reminding the church that we need to keep our guard up against the uh, the things that, of the world that come out against us. And, and this church uh, that Jude is writing to, uh, it's not uh, specifically uh, delineated here in the first of the book, but it, you have to also remember this was a letter that was written. It was written to a specific church that was having problems with people who were coming behind uh, the the apostles that had come through and established the church, you had these uh, false teachers that were coming through and they were teaching another faith. They were teaching something other than what was the true gospel. And primarily you had the problem with uh, those who were teaching antinomialism. That's a big word. And what it basically means is basically saying uh, because of the grace of God, because of His forgiveness, that we can, uh, antinomialism says that because of that grace, we can do just whatever we want to. That we can, uh, in in terms of of all the things that, that we're called against uh, doing, uh, to guarding ourselves against sin, antinomialism says it doesn't matter about sin. You've got the grace of God. You've got God's forgiveness. So don't worry about uh, things that you might do in your life. If you want to uh, go out and do whatever you want to, that's okay. You've got the grace of God. Now, while we do believe in God's grace, and we also believe that God's graciousness and goodness to us uh, is overwhelming in our life, it's greater than we ever deserve, uh, we also...
also have to understand that as Christians, we're called to living the kind of life that is an image of Jesus Christ, that we are not to indulge in the sinful behavior that the antinomialism uh, crowd just simply says, hey, just do whatever you want to. It's okay. God's grace will take care of you. We understand that those things that uh, God calls us to stand against, those sinful behaviors uh, are what causes distance between us and God the Father, that causes us distance between our relationship uh, with God. And we are to, to strive to, to have our lives conform to the desire of God because uh, it pleases God that we live in that way. Look with me in verse 3. It says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto you, unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going to focus on these two verses. Uh, we're not going to take this, cha- uh, this book of the Bible two verses at a time. It just happens to work out. Uh, these first two sermons are dealing with two verses at a time. And we're going to look at the rest of it uh, in a little bit more rapid succession. But I want you to look at these two verses. It says... Uh, Jude is, and you have to remember, Jude is the brother, uh, the half brother of Jesus. He is uh, one of the apostles, and so he's writing uh, 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 some very important information. And what Jude is alluding to here is, he says, "Hey, I, I wanted to write unto you, and I, I've given all diligence to do that." And uh, he, what he's talking about is, is that Jude was was intending to write a more lengthy treatise on uh, the doctrine uh, that he's trying to convey. Uh, but he's saying, in essence, this matter is of such importance. I'm writing you this short letter. And I'm writing this to you because it is so important. This is so uh, crucial that I can't wait until I get this longer letter that we don't have... Uh, uh, any record of at this time in history. Uh, but he says, I, I, I've had all diligence to write unto you this about our common salvation. He says, I wanted to write to you about uh, all the, the aspects of salvation, he says, but it was important that I write to you to exhort you. And that's what we have to see here is, is that Jude is trying to elevate the church. He's trying to help them to understand the importance of what's going on. He says, this is of such importance that I cannot wait. You know, there's so many, uh, there's such a mentality of... Uh, complacency in the church today. There are so many uh, people that are going to church that if they feel as though they're doing the church and God a favor by just simply being in church. That's the beginning of our responsibility. That's the, that's the very beginning of the essence of our relationship to God is, is to have a, a salvation within our hearts, to have a relationship to God, to have the opportunity to, to worship with other believers. All of those things are just merely the the scratching of the surface of what it means to be a Christian. It's not uh, in and all of itself. 
itself. Our obligation to come together to worship God is all about our relationship to God. And, and while it is important, it is not the in and all of what it means to be a Christian. Uh, for instance, if... Uh, you know, it's important in many families to come together and to eat uh, uh, a fabulous meal and to have fellowship with one another at, at Thanksgiving and Christmas and uh, New Year's Day and, <clears throat> and birthdays and things like that. And for many people, once they uh, get older and they move off and they start a new family uh, of their own, it tends to be that that those times of big celebrations, Christmas and Thanksgiving and New Year's and birthdays and anniversaries, those kind of things are times where you tend to only come together as a family because you're busy with your own family. You don't get to be with your extended family. I remember as a young boy, I, I love the times that I got to go and spend time with my grandparents and spend times with my cousins and my aunts and uncles. But you know, coming together in those special times wasn't what made us a family. Coming together and, and sharing those meals we could have we could have spent any uh, our time on those special days with anybody. It wouldn't have made us a part of their family. It wouldn't have made us a part any less a part of our family to miss those times and to be together with those people uh, at those special times. Didn't it wasn't what made us family? What made us family was our common bond with one another. The the blood that we that poured through our veins is what made us family. Not the fact that we came together at those important times just like uh it's important to as a family to come together and sit uh at dinner time together and have a meal together and to talk and to, and to fellowship uh, as it's important for us as a church body to come and be together on sundays uh to be here in fellowship but this is not what makes us a part of the family of god is it what makes us a part of the family of God is our relationship to God, our relationship to, to our Heavenly Father, the fact that He has saved us from our sins, the fact that we've accepted His, His uh, gracious gift of salvation, the fact that we're yearning and striving to be a part of the family of God and trying to, to grow in His grace, grow in His understanding, grow in, in our relationship to God. That's what makes us a part of the family of God. And Jude here is trying to help us to, to remember that, uh, that we have a common salvation, that we ha it's important for us to understand what brings us together as saints, what causes us to have that relationship with each other. And it's, it's not the fact that we are meeting in the same place. It's the importance of what we believe. It's the importance of, of our understanding of the grace of God, our understanding of, of the doctrine that we're brought together in understanding. He says, I wanted to write to you about our, our salvation, the salva and that word common there. Look at that word common. That word common doesn't mean <clears throat> that it is of lesser value as uh, you root in your pocket for some coins and you take out a quarter 
Uh, I don't have a quarter in my pocket. It would have helped if I did. If you had a quarter in your, in your pocket and you pulled it out, that quarter's common. It's just like a million other quarters that are in the United States circulating throughout the world. Uh, you, there's probably quarters just like the one that you might have in your pocket or in your piggy bank at home. That quarter is just like the one that might be in a child's collection in Moscow or in uh, in Beijing or might be in a million other homes throughout the United States. That quarter is common. It doesn't lessen the value of the quarter. The quarter is still 25 cents. But if that uh, by any chance had been minted with all silver, if it had been minted with the face upside down, then that quarter is not common. It's uncommon. Now, that's not the terminology that uh, that is used here. This word common is referring to the same salvation that you and I possess. We share that possession uh, together. It's common in that it is similar. It's not that it has lesser value. It is that that same salvation that I have in my life is the same salvation that you can have in your life if you accept Jesus into your heart and life. It's the same salvation that you carry if you have within you that salvation if you uh, accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior 50 years ago is the same as the one is uh, enjoyed by the person who comes today to accept Jesus Christ in their heart. It, that is a common salvation is what Jude is saying. He says, we share that commonality, that relationship, that link with one another that is based upon the salvation that, that God gives to us. He says, but I wanted to write you about something that's going on in the life of the church. He says, I, it, it's been brought upon me to exhort you that you earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, again, as I was saying, there's many people in the church that they feel as though they've... They've gone above and beyond just to be in church on Sunday morning. And boy, they're really, really committed if they're in church on Sunday night. And man, they are a saint if they come on Wednesday night too and on a regular basis. But what we have to understand is, again, attendance in church is not what makes our us close to God. It is an expression. It's... If you've been out in the yard, uh, like a lot of us have, cleaning up all the debris from the storm, and you you spend eight hours out in that yard, and you've been working, and 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 you just been sweating up a storm. When you walk inside, it's really pronounced, isn't it? It is. You you have evidence on you that you've been doing hard work. You've got scratches and and bruises from where limbs have hit you and scratched your arms. You have the essence of your labors upon yourself that you have to to go in and and shower off. Uh, those are all products of the fact that you've been out in the yard, out working hard. That you've been put in a hard day's work. Those are all evidence of what you've done. Your presence here in this church is evidence of your relationship to God. It is evidence of the fact that you're close to God. It is evidence of your desire to grow closer to God. It is evidence of the fact that you enjoy the fellowship that comes with the uh, with the saints as we gather together to 
worship God. All of these things, uh, uh, your presence here is pointing to the evidence of your faith. It is not a product of your faith. It is not, uh, you, 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 you don't come to church simply because you, uh, or simply because you come to church doesn't mean you have faith. You can, uh, uh, you can come to church and, and, and be as lost as lost can be. But if you have a, a right relationship with God and if you have a desire to grow closer to Him, you're going to want to come and be in the fellowship with believers. You're going to come and want to be together and have that unity of the faith, that, uh, that closeness to God. And Jude here is saying, I'm uh, earnestly writing to you to exhort you to contend for the faith. We need Christians today that are contending for the faith. And going back to that boxing metaphor, I told you I was going to take that up again. Uh, if you're a boxer, you, you don't just simply show up when it's time to, to box the opponent, do you? If you do, it'll be a very short uh, match to say the least. Uh, if you're a boxer, you spend your days, day in and day out, uh, hour upon hour of preparing yourself for that match. Many boxers uh, will spend months prior to a particular match of upping the level of their their training, of of, of formulating plans, of of studying their opponents so that they can come up with the best play. It's not all random. They're not just standing in there trying. You know, the movies have us believe that they're just standing in there and they're waiting for an opportunity for the guy to lower his hands and then wow it's coordinated it is planned out it is is calculated it is so crucial that that athlete spend time and time uh hard time preparing for the battle and that's what Jude is calling for the saints to do. He's saying, look, you can't just simply go through your Christian life thinking you're prepared for that battle against the forces of... Uh, uh, the Bible tells us that we battle against forces, spiritual forces, against the darkness uh, in this world, against all those powers and principalities. We can't just simply as Christians go through our lives expecting to just simply stumble through our Christian life and expect to come through close to God. If you're a Christian, if you're a child of God, you have to work diligently. You have to contend for the faith. You have to work hard. Now the challenge that Jude is, is pointing out to them is uh, this group of people who've come along and are beginning to teach a false faith. And the contention that he's talking about of contending for the faith is he's saying you need to be prepared for the message that they're bringing so that if you... And, and it's true to this day, even though we don't have this specific group going throughout church to church do, uh, teaching this, we have people coming, knocking on the doors, wanting to share with you a false faith and wanting to share with you magazines uh, from their their faith about how you need to come and join their church because their church is the one true church. You have people of all faiths coming around, knocking on your door, trying to get you to come. Some of them are coming on bicycles. Some of them are coming in nice fine cars. Some of them are coming just simply into the workplace and they're wanting to share all these things. You have to be contentious of the faith. You have to contend for your faith and have to understand where their mistakes are. 
so that you'll be prepared. You have to prepare your heart for the challenges that come at you. Otherwise, you're going to have someone come up to you and say, hey, you know, I really believe, and they'll spell out whatever they they believe. I believe Jesus was this, or I I believe Jesus really wasn't the Son of God, or I believe Jesus really, you know, we've got uh, secularists that are going around saying, they, they, oh yeah, Jesus uh, uh, lived, but he wasn't anything more than just a great teacher. He wasn't the Son of God. He wasn't, he wasn't uh, God incarnate. He didn't die on the cross. There are, and they'll, they'll have other ones say, you know, uh, Jesus was a common name like John or or Richard, or or Fred, or or Bill, or or any other common name. Uh, Jesus was just a real common name, and they'll point to the fact that uh, that Jesus was nobody in particular. He was just a, a a faith leader that happened to get a group of people together and stirred them up. These are all things to try and tear down the faith that you have within you. And Jude says, you have to be content. You have to contend for the faith. You have to be like that boxer who gets in there and trains day in and day out. You've got to get in the Word. You've got to study it. You've got to, to, to go through and, and learn the Scripture and have it within your heart and life so that you're ready at a moment's notice to share the gospel message. You have to contend for the faith that was delivered once and for all to the saints. He says, you've got to make sure that you are prepared. And to be quite honest, as Christians today throughout our nation, I I dare say that there's very many Christians who are truly prepared to argue their faith. Paul says we have to always uh, be ready to give an answer for our faith. We have to be continually ready to to give uh, 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 a response to those who want to try and and steer us away. We've got to be people who are ready to, to share the gospel message and know what God says in our heart and uh, says to us. And unfortunately, I think there's too many of us who have just simply a, a Sunday school faith, a rudimentary faith, a, a, a very superficial understanding of God's Word. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry to say I believe there's too many Christians who are just going through their life only opening the Word of God when they come to church or when they study in Sunday school. And unfortunately, our numbers throughout the Southern Baptist Convention and throughout many other churches is is that uh, participation in small groups like Sunday school or discipleship training is going down further and further and further. Participation in regular worship services going down further and further and further. More and more Christians are being led astray because they don't know what's in God's Word because guess what? They haven't read it for themselves. And anyone who sounds knowledgeable can come along and lead them astray. Jude says we've got to be contentious of our faith. We have to earnestly strive to have our faith. He says, look, verse 4, he says, there are certain men who are coming in unawares, who are before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God 
in our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, look, the reason you need to be ready, the reason you need to be prepared are there are people who are coming in. They're coming in stealthily. They're coming in quietly. They're coming in to our churches. They're coming in to our places of faith and they are leading people astray. In Jude's day, it was very real threat that people were coming into the church and leading and saying, oh, no, 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 Jesus didn't mean that. It was a common thing for people to go around and sharing the gospel. It was very common for the disciples to go uh, from place to place and teaching like Paul did at that time. We're, we have more of a, a, a stable group of people that are going into churches and teaching today, but you still have people that are coming in unawares trying to lead people astray and it's they're coming in by means of tv and of radio they're they're sharing their uh message of health and wealth and uh, uh that kind of thing about of just simply having good feelings about having a good look it's not just about having a good feeling about god and a good feeling about yourself that won't get you into a right relationship with god simply having a, a positive attitude about your life well, and, and the fact that you're doing uh, well socioeconomically doesn't mean that you're in a right relationship with God. It just means that you're fortunate that that time that God is blessing you, whether you're saved or not, it, just, it doesn't mean that you have a relationship with God. It just means that His grace has been uh, poured out on you a little bit longer. What you need to have is a right relationship with God. And what you have to be aware is, is that there are people that are coming in all over this world to deceive you, to lead you astray, to cause you to believe things that aren't true. And, and Jude is saying they're coming in, they're unawares, and, the, and they've been ordained from of old, to be, uh, and they're ungodly men who are turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. His specific situation is that he was pointing to the fact that these uh, people that were pr promoting antinomialism, they were promoting the idea of basically just sexual immorality. They were saying, look, you can go out and be uh, 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 sexually immoral all you want to. You can do all those kind of things. And look, it doesn't matter. You can just ask God for forgiveness. And you know, it seems today that the, the circles come for, for full circle around. It seems as though there are people in this world today that, oh, I'm a good Christian, I'm a good Christian, but they're, they're going out and doing all kinds of things that are ungodly. They're, they're looking at things that they shouldn't look at on the Internet. They're uh, participating in activities that they know are wrong. They're, uh, it seems like that's a, a common draw to this very day of, of people just simply allowing their sexual immorality to just flourish within their life. And, and Judah saying, look, in this particular situation in his day, and it's same to this, to, to this very day, look, you have the grace of God. You have God's forgiveness, but that doesn't give you license to do whatever you want. It doesn't give you light. And if and look, it's the same. It's not just limited to sexual immorality. It, it has to do with all sinful behavior. Look, we're called to live a life of righteousness, of living and walking in the light of God. And when we invite the darkness into our life through sexual immorality or through uh, uh, 
any other sinful behavior, whether it's uh, lying, stealing, cheating, whether it's coarse language, whether it's uh, uh, indulging in things that would overcome our, our rationale and allow ourselves to be turned over to something other than God, uh, whether it's uh, drinking, uh, smoking, whatever it might be, those things are all allowing the darkness into our life. All things that are, are pushing us further and further away from God. We're called to be children of light. We're called to be children of God. We're called to live and walk according to God's desire. And anything we allow into our lives that is not according to God's desire, that is contrary to God's will for our life, that is against God... Look, remember, sin means just anything that is against the will of God. So it's like saying, you know, okay, God, I'm going to give you everything in my life. I'm going to give you all this. But hey, when it comes to my money, hey, God, don't tell me what to do. Or God, when it comes to uh, uh, this one area of my life, don't come calling and telling me what to do. Anything that we lay claim to, rather than allowing God to be Lord over, is sinful. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be your family. It could be your job. It could be your finances. It could be your possessions. It could be your time. Whatever it is that you don't allow God to be Lord over is sinful behavior in your life. And Jude is saying, look, you've got people that are coming in and telling you, hey, it's okay. It's okay to... To, to do this or to do that. It's okay. In this, in, in this particular church, it was sexual immorality. But you've got people today that are saying, hey, it's all right to do this. It's all right to cheat on your taxes. It's not, everybody does it. It's all right to, to uh, spend all of your time doing whatever you want to do, not living for God. It's all right to, to do this or do that. Anytime you do anything that is contrary to the God's desire for your life, that's a sin. That's sinful behavior. And Jude says you've got to be wary of those who are coming in and leading you astray. He says they're coming in and we have to understand that we need to, to realize what God's grace is. Remember what we said God's grace was last week? When we, uh, last time we started looking at this? God's, uh, the grace of God is God's unmerited favor in our life. Bringing us forgiveness. Remember, it's unmerited. Which means that we ought not to take it for granted. It means that we ought not to just simply say, hey, we can, uh, we can do whatever we want to. And Jude kind of lays down uh, he kind of lays it down the line here at the last of verse 4. He says, to deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. In the Greek, it, uh, where it says Lord God there, it, it means, it, it, it basically was saying our Master God. Really what we have to understand is that word uh, that is translating King James Version for Lord God re re refers to the one who bought us. Master. 
common word for, and everybody knows and understands what the word master means. If you're talking about a slavery situation, you're talking about the person who purchased you. In this situation, Jude is saying, look, remember who purchased you from your sins. Who paid the price? Did you pay the price on Calvary? Or did Jesus Christ? Did God pay the price in Jesus Christ dying on the cross for your sins? Or did you pay the price for your sins? All of us know it was God. So we need to remember who is the master of our life. If He's the master of your life, then you won't do the things that He doesn't want you to do. Look, if, you have a, if you're in a situation... Where, think about a situation with a master and a slave. Master not only purchased the individual... But the, uh, the individual was, the slave was bound to do what the master said, right? The master, because he purchased you, he said to go out and do this. To go out and work in the field, you went out and worked in the field. The master said, hey, prepare my meal for me. You went and prepared the meal. The master said, hey, go scrub my floors. You went and scrubbed your floors. Whatever the master said, you did, right? Because he's the master. Jude is saying, remember, God's grace is so great, but remember, he's the master. He should be the master of your life. He should be the one that you follow. And he says, oh yeah, remember, because it's what the Lord Jesus Christ did. It's because of what Jesus Christ did for you. Because Jesus died for you on the cross of Calvary. He purchased you, paid the price for you in your sins. He extends to you that grace, not to do whatever you desire, but to express your love for Him in service and devotion to Him. My question for you today is, first, have you entered into a right relationship with God? Have you accepted that wonderful gift of His grace? What a marvelous thing to think about the grace of God of forgiveness. It's not a, a grace, it's not a, God didn't pay the price of, for you on the cross to, 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 to rule over you like a, a despot or a, a dictator, but to express His love. And that love was demonstrated in His grace to forgive you. But because of that grace, we ought to express our love towards God in obedience to Him. Have you accepted Jesus Christ in your heart and life? Have you given your heart to Him? Today's the day. Accept Him into your life. Accept the wonderful gift of Jesus Christ. Or maybe today you need to commit to living as though Jesus is the master of your life. Of contending for the faith. Of striving, doing all that you can to live for Him. Of committing yourself to being a better Christian. Of living for Jesus Christ. It's not something that just simply comes because you accept Jesus into your life and, and you just get greater and greater. You, you can't just simply expect to be a great Christian 
like a boxer doesn't expect to be the champion without practice. You've got to contend. You've got to work hard. You've got to strive to train. Are you training yourself to be the best that you can be? Of being the Christian that God's called you to be? Of living for Christ the way He's called you to live? If not, today, as we stand in a moment to sing our hymn of invitation and to pray, I invite you to come. Won't you come? Let's pray.